Hello and welcome to Statistically Interesting, the podcast where we interview analysts and data scientists to find out about the fascinating work that they do and how they got to where they are today. I'm your host, Jake Stein. I'm co-founder of RJ Metrics. You can find out more about me and find out about new episodes by following me on Twitter, at Jake Stein. All right. Today on the show, we have Will Morell, who's Senior Director of Media Analytics at Ampush Media. Some of the things we talk about are the relative ordering of mega, giga, tera, and other multiples of bytes, how Will uses statistical techniques like conjoint analysis to understand the value of the various services that Ampush offers, and how Will is really only a partial jerk. And here's our conversation. Uh, super excited today. We have a great guest. I'll uh, just say quickly for, for more info on myself, I'm at, at J-A-K-E-S-T-E-I-N on Twitter. You can find out more about the company at R-J-M-E-T-R-I-C-S, R-J Metrics on Twitter. Uh, but I'm most excited for my guest, so we'll just jump right into it today. Uh, guest, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Jake. Hey, guys. My name is Will Morell. I'm the Director of Media Analytics at Ampush Media. Uh, I run the New York office for our sort of social media-oriented marketing services and tech-enabled performance marketing platform. So we help big brands and performance marketers succeed across uh, major uh, social channels. We have the highest level of API access with Instagram, uh, Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook, one of only, only four companies across the globe with that level of access, and we wield it effectively to help drive uh, data-driven results for all of our clients and partners. Super cool. And, and uh, so I think most of that made sense to me, uh, but I'm you know, in a similar, uh, similar business and, and know a lot of those terms. If you're talking to uh, you know, a member of your family or someone who's, who's not really in our world or our industry, how would you... How would you describe what you do to them? Sure, I basically just say I help companies advertise on social media. Got it. That's pretty simple, pretty succinct. Um, and how long have you been where you are right now? I've been here uh, just over a year. Uh, in fact, uh, my one-year anniversary was was uh, just earlier this month. And um, Mazel tov. Thank you, thank you, Jake. Uh, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> uh, and and how did you how do you get to where you are now? What were you doing before this? Sure. So uh, I guess by way of background, I was a Wharton undergrad. It's actually how I know you. That does sound familiar. 2006. What's up? Uh, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I spent the first part of my career in finance doing uh, media-focused investment banking and then media communications-focused investing in a private equity fund. Uh, went back to business school um, and uh, sort of transitioned into a more tech entrepreneurship, startup-oriented uh, uh, ecosystem. I spent uh, just over a year at ZocDoc as a sales operations strategy manager. I spent about six months helping um, a company called Likeable Local grow their sales and marketing team as the chief revenue officer, and uh, wound up at uh, at Ampush shortly thereafter. Got it. And Ampush was also started by uh, a bunch of Warren guys, right? That's exactly right. Jesse Puji, Nick Shot, and Chris Amos are, like you, proud members of the uh, Wharton class of 06. I, as a young'un, was a class of 07. But uh, now that I'm 30 and married, I fully consider myself an old man. Yes, and just just for the record, I also consider you an old man. Even before, I felt like you had the spirit of an old man. Yes, that's right. If only I had old man strength, but that's another topic for another day. It's all it's all in your hands. Uh, so, while while you're at Ampush, um, you know, we talked a little bit about like what what the company does as a whole. But what exactly like in in a typical day, sort of things that that you're doing on a day to day basis? What what does that look like? 
Sure. So I'd probably say my, my job uh, breaks down to sort of 50% people management, 30% client management, and then, um, you know, 15% business building, 5% uh, just sort of industry knowledge. So always spending a portion of my day reading the latest uh, industry rags. Um, love Social Times, love Media Post, love Strictly VC, Crunchbase, um, Dan Premax Term Sheet, uh, PE Hubwire to harken back to the glory days. Uh, business building is everything from sort of structuring the team, figuring out um, you know management relationships, spans of control, compensation plans. Uh, you know I do a lot of hiring, um, and uh, and then you know client service. Uh, I've got uh, several clients that roll up to me, uh, but most importantly. I consider my job to be, um, you know, uh, making sure that the whip smart folks uh, who are actually running our, our media and, and running our client strategy are, are feeling stimulated, feel like their learning curves are steep, and that they're uh, happy and excited to come into work every day and, and work for someone who's not a total jerk, just a just a partial jerk. And I I also feel like you are achieving that. I've, I've always thought of you as a partial jerk, ne- never total. Takes one to know one, Jake. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, and I was just particularly impressed with your the speed with which you rattled off those different percentages. I'm going to go back and check later, but did those actually add up to 100%? Uh, I believe they do, Jake. Um, I've got my abacus here, and I'm fairly confident. <laughs> got it. Wow. that's You sound confident. Uh, how many people are on your team? Uh, I have about... Um 16 folks reporting uh, directly to me, which is too many. I, I, I'm very glad to say we just hired a manager um, uh, who's going to help me um, sort of distribute that workload. Uh, there's about 30 people in the New York Media Org and about 35 to 40 people in the San Francisco Media Org rolling up to represent the largest org at Ampush, which right now is probably about 140 people and growing. Oh, wow. And so the people that are on their team, uh, are, are they, like, what, what is their title? Are they account managers or analysts or, or what, what, what are they doing? Sure. So uh, media analysts and senior media analysts uh, and senior media strategists uh, represent sort of the preponderance of my span of control. We, we hire folks as media analysts straight out of school or with a couple of years of work experience, uh, train them up on some of our proprietary tools and the industry more broadly, um, and then sort of groom them into um, real analytical uh, powerhouses, uh, you know, helping, like I said, clients achieve aggressive KPIs. Uh, on these native infeed platforms, and we promote our senior media analysts into the strategist role, which is effectively a, a sort of client QB um, for which, uh, you know, a, a stable of clients uh, will roll up to a, uh, a strategist who is sort of project managing on a day-to-day basis, uh, a group of anywhere between sort of two and six uh, media analysts onto what we would call a, a pod. Got it. Got it. And... I know that you know some some portion of what you all offer your clients is the the service aspect of you just get these smart folks to to help you manage your campaigns and hit your goals. But I, I mean, anybody can just go and start you know advertising on Facebook. You don't uh, you don't need to be a special partner to be able to do that. So from the the technical aspect of things, what are you doing that anybody with a credit card can't do by just signing up for a Facebook ads account? Sure. So it's a great question, Jake. Uh, I think the first thing I would talk about is our technology. So we have uh, an AMP uh, platform uh, that we have built over a number of years. We have about 30 engineers out in uh, in, in San Francisco uh, integrating uh, back-end APIs across the, the four major channels. And what we've built is a sophisticated um, sort of media management platform that allows for the manipulation, creation, and general observation and measurement of a broad array of campaigns um, 
to a degree that somebody using Power Editor or the basic UI would never be able to do. Um, there's functionality uh, in terms of sort of types of ads that we can launch on these platforms that simply aren't available through the basic UI. Um, there's efficiency uh, whereby we can make changes in, in mass that you simply cannot do uh, on these platforms in their basic UIs. We can um, sort of uh, monitor and adjust uh, spend levels, budgets, um, visualize and, and sort of create ads through a sort of ad creation UI uh, to a, a degree of a sort of permutation that, that Facebook wouldn't allow um, and would be very cumbersome and, and time intensive. Um, on Twitter, we have access to a variety of, uh, of, of uh, sort of alpha and beta pilots that uh, uh, Twitter puts out that we're able to uh, implement for our clients. And then Pinterest, there's really no way to um, advertise on Pinterest other than through a, a marketing partner right now uh, effectively. Oh, um, so, uh, so there's that. And then we, uh, we were leaders on Instagram. Um, you know, again, another thing that you simply can't do through the basic UI. Uh, Facebook will continue to roll out functionality to make it easier for the lay person to advertise. Um, but yes, we, we definitely have proprietary strengths uh, that help us sort of achieve uh, results that are generally far superior to in-house efforts. Got it. Got it. And uh, when your clients are, you know, you mentioned you're, you're helping them optimize their, their KPIs. Uh, like, what is the analysis that either you're going through or they're going through to figure out if uh, if a campaign or, or a particular ad was was successful? Well, I think it really depends on the client's goals, Jake. I think uh, different clients want different things. It depends on the nature of the campaign. You know, we sort of have four main categories of uh, of client objectives. One is branding and awareness, uh, generally reach and frequency oriented, um, you know, sort of goals and reporting around targeting, etc. Um, one is uh, a sort of mobile app install. Uh, initiatives to try to achieve, um, you know, sort of scale uh, for for uh, for new apps or, or recently relaunched apps or, or just apps in general. And, and uh, the third would be e-commerce, actually getting clients, uh, sorry, customers to transact uh, and purchase products uh, uh, sort of through the Facebook platform or clicking through to sites and, and getting those to uh, to occur from a transaction perspective. And fourth is direct response, whether it's collecting emails or, um, or, or sort of any other sort of uh, call to action around, um, uh, you know, sort of installing uh, products uh, in terms of, uh, you know, logging in and registering for different um, services. Uh, so on the branding uh, side, you know, engagement rate is obviously very important. Um, you know, for videos, it's the percentage of, of the audience viewing videos through to completion or, you know, Facebook allows you to measure what percentage of your video was viewed. Um, making sure that we can get the most efficient CPMs and uh, potentially drive uh, sort of direct response results through a sort of halo effect, uh, which we can also measure. Um, you know, on the, uh, on the uh, MAI front, um, you know, CPI, cost per install, is obviously a key metric. Uh, Sorry, what does MAI stand for? Oh, mobile app install. Apologies. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so CPI, cost per install, is a key metric. But going even deeper down the funnel, um, you know, understanding what uh, kind of purchase conversions occur or what kind of a actions take place in the app. Facebook has uh, what's known as an SDK, which is a, a software developer's kit. Uh, that allows you to monitor uh, in-app actions such as, you know, who completed X level or who spent, you know, Y dollars on, on Z products or, you know, who's, um, you know, forming whatever sorts of groups. You can create um, measurement points within your app using, uh, using this, uh, this, this kit and uh, optimize off those results. So a broader sort of theme will be the further down the funnel we can, can get our clients uh, to partner with us, the, the better and more, more confident we'll feel that we're able to really deliver value. The third pillar, e-commerce, is fairly straightforward. You want to sort of return on ad spend goal. 
Um, obviously, uh, you know, a 100% ROAS is, is obviously very attractive depending on the game or the, uh, the product, but uh, as you sort of function or factor in fixed costs, uh, we have clients that, that are looking for us to achieve as high as 200% uh, ROI or above. Um, we have a term called ROAS, return on ad spend, um, which is a metric that we, we look at very closely. And then uh, a lot of our clients will actually project the lifetime values of their customers. And we can um, sort of measure uh, across uh, PLTVs um, uh, what kind of return we're getting relative to those, uh, those estimates. And then the fourth pillar, direct response. Uh, you know, companies will generally place a value on leads or place a value on emails uh, or, or place a value on, on some sort of uh, up funnel um, uh, action, whether it's, you know, an add to cart or, or what have you. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they will then get sort of retargeted via email campaigns or, or whatever other channels are happening. We also obviously retarget them through Facebook once they've joined certain CRM lists. And generally, the, the clients will give us the KPIs uh, for those outcomes. But the answer to your question, Jake, is it really depends wildly uh, based on what the client's goals are. And, and once we figure out those goals, we can um, sort of figure out how to apply downward pressure to whatever or upward pressure to whatever metric we're trying to optimize. Got it. Okay, that, that's super helpful. And I think you may have kind of answered my next question, but I want to make sure I understand it correctly. So uh, a lot of those things that you talked about that you're trying to optimize are happening off Facebook or, or off Pinterest or off Instagram, you know, not where the, the actual ad is taking place. So when, um, you know, when, when it is, let's say, an e-commerce transaction, for example, and that's happening on a separate website, uh, you know, it may happen a half an hour later. Are, are you sending all that data back to the Facebook SDK? Is that how you consolidate it? Or how do you, how do you know that the actual success action happened when it happened in a different system? Absolutely. So Facebook is, uh, as it uses what it calls pixels, um, which are bits of code that you can place on websites that send, will sort of fire effectively and then send information back to, to Facebook. So yes, not only can we measure um, the checkouts, but we can measure the, um, the, the size of the checkouts. Um, we can, we can, to a degree, see using various Facebook products what was purchased and, and make it or what was viewed and make a decision on how to retarget um, those uh, those those audiences. Facebook has a product called Dynamic Product Ads, um, where uh, let's say an e-commerce retailer can upload their entire inventory, and not only can there be a real-time sort of inventory uh, two-way uh, read-write messaging occurring between Facebook and the um, you know the sort of uh, retailer's inventory, but based on the products that uh, an audience sees, uh, they can then be dynamically retargeted to uh, see specific products down the line. Um, so it's very cool. If you were to see uh, blue skinny jeans, which Jake, I'm sure you love, Obviously. Um, we might then show you red skinny jeans or a, or a uh, blue jean jacket to complete the full uh, Canadian tuxedo look. As is my custom. That, that sounds like a, like a useful feature for that one case. I can't imagine a different use case, but for me, it sounds like a good idea. That's really cool. And so I, I'm always interested in like how much time people are spending between like plumbing, which you know, I see is like getting, getting different systems to talk to each other or getting data from one spot to another versus like actual value add analysis. And it seems like for you guys, there may not be as much plumbing work because you're sending all the data back to the, the ad pl platform. Is that right? Or, or is plumbing a, a significant part of what you guys have to do in terms of actually getting to the answers you need? Well, look, I mean, I think there's always going to be an element of bushwhacking, setting up the plumbing. I mean, we're, we're, we're the plumbers uh, to a degree. Uh, you know, clients are generally, um, you know, at various levels of sophistication. If we need to place a snippet of code on a page for client A, 
it could be as simple as a co-founder who's coded the website, you know, sends this email back five minutes later and says the it's done. For other companies, you know, some larger companies, um, you know, we need to schedule developer time. It needs to be fit into the next sprint. It's not uncommon for pixel placement to take weeks. Um, wow. And just to expand upon your your previous question, there's other ways to measure. You have third-party click trackers, um, you know, like the Omnitures and Double Clicks of the world. We have um, what are known as MMPs. Um, because you can't cookie a, a phone, um, mobile measurement partners like Adjust, AppsFlyer, AppsLR, um, you know, Kochava uh, provide a lot of really key data uh, that helps you know sort of pass back a lot of down funnel information to our teams. But the answer is um, whether it's plumbing or you know sort of executing, um, we'll do what needs to be done. We're a, a full service uh, sort of managed uh, a service, and and we're experts across you know every sort of element of the platform. So. Uh, our job is as much to uh, reduce your headaches on on sort of administrative setup as it is to help deliver you strong results on the platform itself. Got it. That's great. And uh, I imagine you're you know, you're doing lots of different analyses all the time on on the campaigns to try to figure out how to make them better, how to tie the results back more tightly. Uh, can you think of an example of either a certain set of analysis you did or a research project or something like that where it just paid off like gangbusters, even though it was not very technically sophisticated, something where it was just like after the fact, kind of hit yourself in the head and this is now we and our clients can make a lot more money? Yeah, I mean, um, for example, we were working with a retailer and uh, you know there were sort of two types of images we were working with. One was, was model images where you see the clothes on the model. The other were lay down images where you sort of see the clothes laid out um, on, on the floor and it's a, sort of a vertical overhead shot uh, and we noticed the laydown images outperform the, the model images by, you know, uh, uh, multiples. And we just shifted our spend away from those model images to the laydown images and, and saw um, a real boon in, in terms of return on ad spend. Interesting. And is that something that you think uh, either you've seen or you, you have some intuition that is that general, generalizable across retailers or is that just really specific to that particular one? Uh, my, my guess would be, uh, based on the clients I've worked with, it's, it's somewhat generalizable. I'm not really comfortable making a, a statement on, on all uh, retailers, but if there are any yeah. retailers advertising on digital media listening to this, uh, if you're not experimenting with laydown images, uh, I would strongly encourage you to do so. Hmm. Very cool. Uh, and then what about the, the, the converse of that question I asked? What, um, uh, what had the, the lowest, um, lowest economic payoff that was like really you know, technically sophisticated or hard to spin up in terms of an analysis or a test like that? Uh, let, me, let me think about that for a minute. So I would say a lot of times um, there's just a lot of general bushwhacking for uh, running a lot of different iterations of creative that wind up having very uh, limited differentiation performance. We, we, ha we at Ampush have an in-house creative team. We have a team of graphic designers in San Francisco that will um, build custom creative and, and will obviously write copy for you uh, if the client is so inclined. Um, but we've run iterations on creative where you know we produce 30 different types of creative and we see that everything performs within a half of a standard deviation. Um, right. So uh, obviously, um, you know, content is king and creative is the content on digital media. Um, and, and we find that um, uh, sometimes the, the payoff uh, is, is not what we like to see relative to the time invested. Got it. Got it, yeah. Uh, and then I know you mentioned um, you use your internally developed tools uh, to, to execute on campaigns and, and things like that. What, what other tools do you use, you and your team, in order to do your job, either software or hardware? Like what else, what else is in your toolbox? Yeah, we use, we use computers, Jake. Oh. They're amazing. And, 
Uh, that's that sounds cool. Tell me more. Yes. Well, uh, I mentioned my abacus earlier. Yes, that's true. It's it's like an abacus, um, but it requires electricity. Uh, I'm just going to abandon this joke. I feel like I made it, and now we're extending it. And it doesn't need to be extended, but uh, but sure. but look, um, we um, we run a lot of Excel. Uh, we're doing a lot of. Uh, uh, powerful analysis in Excel, you know, everything from beginner stuff around pivoting to taking sort of deeper second or third layer multivariate analyses. Um, you know, if things get crazy, we might even run like an ANOVA table. But, um, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the tools, um, you know, shout out to um, Professor Martin Seligman from the University of Pennsylvania uh, for developing conjoint analysis. I mean, you know, we, we can help uh, in terms of our, our expertise more broadly across like the broad you know, sort of uh, quantitative marketing function, um, you know, we can help clients in any way we, we sort of are able to add value, but Excel is a very powerful tool. Um, you know, we don't do a lot of, uh, on the back end, our engineers are doing a lot of uh, database warehousing, um, you know, running SQL, and, and we have a team that, that does sort of Python work in terms of understanding broader trends um, across the portfolio. If, if we're seeing sort of uh, uh, sort of systematic shifts in, in pricing or efficiency, we'll, we'll try to lean in or out, uh, um, you know, uh, accordingly. Um, we uh, but but again, the majority of our work is done on our, our internal tools, um, and uh, that's sort of where our, our special sauce is is held. Got it. And are there is there anything that is Actually, let me let me come back to that question. Conjoint analysis. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Could you just explain what exactly that means? Sure. Conjoint analysis is when you basically run a regression to understand what the various components of your uh, product are and how much they appeal to consumers relative to other elements. So the classic example would be a car. Uh, if if we understood based on a variety of data how much customers were willing to pay. Uh, or what actions they took based on various offerings at various price points, we could then infer uh, how much they valued airbags or four-wheel drive or the color green or the Bose stereo system. And we can then break those down into the components and figure out where we can add the most value for the client based on the sort of profit margins of those components or just general uh, inventory factors, etc. So uh, in a sentence, Breaking down what consumers value and presenting them what they value at a price that makes sense for both the consumer and the producer. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. So just going back to the, those tools that you mentioned and how you guys get your job done now, uh, is there any part of your job or your team's job that is currently, uh, is currently basically your problem to do and you wish you could basically outsource that to a third party or you know, just throw money at the problem, get a tool that would, would solve that? I feel like we sort of did that already when we built our tool. Okay. Um, but yeah, all the tedious work, I mean, anybody listening who, you know, struggles in Power Editor, I feel your pain. Um, you know, we, we force all uh, of our new hires to train on Power Editor. We run a, uh, in training, a campaign for a, a, a foundation called Raphael House. It's a great organization out in San Francisco, R-A-P-H-A-E-L House. Um, and they're running uh, budgets uh, through Power Editor um, just to sort of create a little bit of perspective when they actually get on our tool and realize how effective it is. Um, so we, we make it a little bit painful so that they can feel the, the relief and, and empathize with all, the, all of their clients who are struggling to get results using the Unwieldy Facebook UI. Got it. And what, is, uh, what does Raphael House do? Uh, Raphael House helps um, sort of find... Um, gifts for underprivileged families uh, for the holidays. It helps sort of provide meals and uh, take people who really aren't in a position to enjoy 
the sort of holiday season and, and sort of brighten up their, their family environment with just a little bit of help uh, at the right time. That's awesome. Uh, so the, the flip side to the, the question I asked before, is there anything that you are currently like relying on an external tool for that, that you all would, would rather just bring in-house and you think you might do uh, over the course of the next couple months or quarter or two? I don't think we'd do it, but if we did, I do think some sort of mobile measurement uh, would, be, would be really neat. I mean, we're, we're absolutely a mobile-first company. A vast majority of our spend is spent on mobile, and obviously, if you look at the broader ecosystem, mobile is where it's at. Um, if you're going to bet on something, bet on mobile. Um, so, you know, to, to channel Wayne Gretzky, the whole, I don't skate to where the puck has been, I skate to where it's going. Um, we're skating aggressively towards where mobile is going, and an in-house uh, mobile measurement tool might be cool, but I, I still feel like uh, the partners that we work with have, have done really good work, and in the spirit of focus, as our CEO would uh, advise me to ruthlessly prioritize, uh, I would say we're in a pretty good spot um, with respect to uh, the functionality that we've developed. Got it. That's great. And so do you, uh, with, with those mobile measurement tools, are you just pulling from their APIs to get into to your system automatically? Or do you like run a CSV export and then just pop that into Excel and then you guys analyze that? Like, How does that workflow actually happen? No, it's all done through APIs. Um, there's, there isn't a lot of exporting and importing. That would be incredibly painful and wouldn't be helpful on a real-time basis. We can get as close to real-time as, as technology will really allow. And In cases where clients have really um, sort of non-conventional metrics that they want to track, uh, you know, our team can do custom integrations. Um, we have a, a sort of visualization technology called Radar that helps our clients uh, understand how their uh, uh, campaigns are performing. Uh, and we're able to customize both on the back end of AMP and on the front end of Radar um, sort of custom data points uh, provided that uh, they're, they're sort of measurable in whatever format they're, they're actually getting downloaded initially. So anything with a code name immediately piques my interest. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about Radar, what it does? Sure. Radar is, is just our, um, our, our client-facing visualization tool. Um, if you go to our website, www.ampush.com, uh, on the internet, uh, you can see a couple of visualizations uh, of Radar. But, um, you know, it's, it's really our platform that allows clients to manipulate um, sort of time frames or, 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 or KPIs or, 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 or sort of uh, other metrics and, and visualize how uh, performance is broken down by whatever sort of uh, demographic they choose, custom reports, um, uh, and uh, just a broad um, uh, tool to allow clients to track things real time if they don't want to ping us uh, with a one-off question on, on Ampush or Slack. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, I would say Slack is great. Uh, we've moved in a big way to Slack. Uh, rest in peace, Yammer. No offense, Microsoft. But, um, yeah, Slack has been a great tool for us. Uh, you know, Google Sheets and Google Docs are obviously very helpful. Our whole team runs on Gmail, um, you know, and uh, a lot of these productivity tools, uh, shout out to Trello uh, and Asana as well, um, are really making a lot of our lives easier. That's great. And uh, when you said uh, if they don't want to pin you on Slack, so are you in, you're basically doing like customer support? Uh, via Slack as well? We have channels that we've integrated for our customers. Uh, so one of the customers we work with is Peloton Cycle. Uh, it's a great bike. Uh, you can buy a bike and um, sort of have it stream live classes from their studio on 23rd Street into your living room via the 22-inch flat screen that's mounted on the bike. Uh, it's a great holiday gift. So uh, uh, go to Peloton.com, then go to Facebook, get retargeted by Peloton.com, then buy a bike, and we'd be very grateful. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's a, a great um, a great tool to communicate. Uh, obviously, email is is useful. I'm not as as pained by email as a lot of people are. Um, you know, I've read the statistic that email volume is just going to go up 10% per annum in perpetuity. So if you don't know the keyboard short, shortcuts on, on Gmail, uh, enable them and start using them. It'll save a huge portion of your day. Um, but yeah, we have custom Slack channels with clients um, that has proven uh, very helpful for seamless communication and sort of uh, information sharing. Totally agree. Uh, I also, another Gmail recommendation, Boomerang. Have you ever tried that out? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. It is pretty fantastic. Uh, that and keyboard shortcuts are, uh, yeah, I, I think that those, those are also the reasons why I am okay with email. I mean, I prefer Slack for most internal stuff, uh, but, but yes, I, uh, I'm a pretty big Gmail fan. I guess one other tool I'd shout out is, uh, is, is uh, Sane, Sane, Sane Later. Um, so uh, it's a tool that basically allows you, much like Boomerang, to uh, auto-filter stuff, uh, forward things. You know, if I get an email over the weekend and I've had a, a cocktail or two, I'll forward it to Monday at Sane Later, and it'll just show up. Uh, if, I, uh, if it's late at night and I'm um, uh, sort of off-duty for the day, uh, I'll just forward it to tomorrow at SaneLater.com. Uh, but Jake, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm never off duty because I'm committed to client success 24 7, 365. Wow, that's, that's inspiring. Uh, the, the name of that tool again, it's Same Later? Same, same Later. Oh, okay, I've heard of that. Uh, and I didn't mean to cut off how dedicated you are to clients. I just wanted to make sure I had that name right. What, uh, what questions haven't I asked about, uh, about the company, about the technology, or the industry? Like, what, what else is, uh, might people be interested in uh, about this world? Well, I'd, I'd say, you know, where, where is it going? Um, what's going, what's going to change? What's not going to change? Let's go with that. Uh, hey, Will, uh, where is it going? What's not going to change? What is going to change? What a great question, Jake. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, I think, uh, where is it going? It's going to mobile. Um, you know, the industry more broadly is going to, uh, native formats. The more interruptive your ad is, the more it's going to be discounted by the consumer, the more, um, sort of inorganic the placement looks. Um, the more it's going to be discounted by the computer, uh, the consumer, um, and as consumers um, sort of share of eyeball uh, just continues to trend aggressively towards mobile, um, you know that's really where it's going. I think Facebook has a huge head start, has a, a very very powerful engineering team, uh, and is coming up with tremendous products. Um, I think you're going to see Facebook continue to um, sort of incubate and then release these. Um, eight-figure user-based products, and they will likely use their existing advertising infrastructure uh, for these new products since uh, they've got an entire uh, industry's uh, worth of, of workforce already trained on how to manipulate it effectively. Um, I think that uh, the, the, sole, the whole audience of one uh, sort of uh, theme where you talked about how I can only think of one use case in which me being retargeted for a Canadian tuxedo would be useful. Well, you know what, Jake? We only need one use case because you're a very, very high-value individual. I've seen your Series B uh, uh, funding announcement, and uh, I think a lot of people would love to sell you jean jackets and not have to worry that their spend is being spent on even a single impression outside of the eyeballs of Jake Stein. And, you know, most of our Series B has gone into my wardrobe, so that is, um, that's a wise retargeting decision. Yes, well, um, yeah, so, uh, so I'm not going to say on the record that I think uh, jean jackets are, are where the world is going, but I wouldn't bet against it. Um, 
uh, where else is the world going? Well, Twitter is coming a long way. Um, you know, Twitter, once it sort of really understands its value prop to the customers, has the real-time um, engagement factor that's, that's just so valuable. Um, the, the probability that uh, a Twitter user is actually interested in the things that they follow and like is much higher than the probability that a Facebook user is interested in the things that they sort of like. You know, oh, my aunt started a real estate company, so I'm going to like her page uh, as a favor. That doesn't really mean that I'm interested in, um, you know, real estate necessarily. So I think um, Facebook has not gotten its users as um, as as zoomed in on, on on likes and interests from an opt-in perspective. What they've done is they've they've gotten very good at uh, capturing behavioral data and building uh, look what are known as look-alike audiences off of um, core seed audiences. So where do I think things are going? I think there's going to be a lot of behavioral inference around um, behavioral data to say consumer A took a certain action uh, based on our mountain of data. We think consumer B is the most likely to replicate that action based on the congruence between consumer A's behavior and consumer B's behavior, as defined by websites visited, as defined by behavior on Facebook, as defined by gra uh, demographic information, as defined by connections. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's scary to think um, how many uh, exabytes of data uh, Facebook is sitting on and how it's probably one of the rare players that actually can credibly claim to have exabytes of data. Hmm. Yeah, that does sound like a lot. And an exabyte, it's it's uh, mega, giga, peta. No, no, no I, I skipped terabyte. What is the order there? Mega, giga, uh, tera, peta, exa. Exa. Okay, that's a lot. That that is a lot of data. I can I can verify that. You might say, Jake, that Facebook's data storage capabilities are excellent. Whoa, that was that was impressive. I thought you were just going to say on fleek, but uh, that was that was good too. Look, I mean, honestly, I would have been happy with just the abacus joke. I'm playing with house money at this point. I, I agree. You've uh, you've clearly set yourself up for success, and uh, you've got nothing to prove to me. To everybody else, though, you have a lot to prove. Oh, another question. Uh, you were talking about native ads before. Uh, I have an idea in my head of like what are native ads and what aren't, but I don't know if I know like the, the actual definition of what makes something a native ad. Can you, can you talk more about that? So a native ad is really just an advertisement that shows up um, uh, in the same format that uh, the rest of the organic content would be seen. So for Facebook, you can think of it as your newsfeed. For Twitter, it's the same thing. Um, you know, on, on Pinterest, if you're, if you're reviewing your, your pin board or you're reviewing other pins, the promoted pins will look exactly like uh, the pins that your friends or, or the sort of uh, uh, interests or boards you follow will put up. Uh, and same with Instagram. I mean, I guess Instagram is perhaps the best uh, example, which is uh, you're scrolling through your feed. There's really only one place to look. And then uh, just like uh, the... Um, uh, stuff your, your your friends are putting up, 600 pixels by 600 pixels, although, although recently Facebook now allows for portrait and land, I mean, sorry, Instagram now allows for port uh, portrait or landscape, total game changer. But the advertisements look exactly the same as the organic content, and people are more uh, likely to engage uh, because it's, uh, again, it's less interruptive, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it looks more authentic, and uh, advertisers have an opportunity to actually uh, shape their content so that it, it, it plays into some of the very same themes that you'll see in the organic content on Instagram. Got it. And so the, like a non-native ad would be just like a, 
like like a like a banner ad. Yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, got it. Because that's separate and apart from the content. Like, there's no. It's not the same format because it's just a, a, a bouncing monkey as opposed to text. Yeah, or you know, any any pre-roll or or a, or a tower ad on the side of an article. I mean, even even Facebook's right-hand side ads are not really uh, are not really native. Uh, but they're much more affordable, and if you're doing impression-based uh, targeting, uh, it's a great way to effectively reach audiences. Got it. Uh, you talked a bunch about mobile before, and I know there are those those mobile measurement companies. Are there like what are the the limits, or do you get more powers like for for tracking user behavior and even just identifying a user on a mobile device as compared to on a desktop? Uh, do you have a, a different hit rate or is, has the technology gotten to a place where you're able to do basically the same thing on, on both platforms? Yes, um, we can do basically the same thing on um, both, both platforms because, uh, you know, frankly, um, there uh, is value in being able to optimize across both platforms in the sense that if I have a user that sees an ad on desktop, I want to know that that user saw that ad on desktop when I'm considering my audience for, um, for, uh, for mobile and vice versa, whether it's uh, still the sort of top of funnel initial impression uh, targeting or it's, it's retargeting. Uh, once a, a user has taken a specific, specific action or, or visited a specific page, Facebook views its um, its sort of uh, at sort of platforms, its inventory holistically. They even uh, integrate uh, with Instagram such that you can have buys where uh, Facebook and Instagram data will 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 play back to each other, um, and it, it it's a it's a holistic buy. And, and you know, I'm just speculating here, um, but you know, I could see that happening across. Messenger and WhatsApp and, and groups and, and all the other, uh, like I said, eight-figure user-based spin-outs uh, that Facebook is, is in the process of incubating in the future. And it just occurred to me that, you know, I think you, you all, because of where you advertise, might sidestep a problem that I think other companies have where if I just visit a random website on my phone or on my desktop, it's very difficult to tie those two visits to back to me. Uh, either that they're the same person or that I'm Jake Stein. Uh, but since you're advertising on platforms where there's a login and where there's a concept of identity, uh, you might be able to do that in a much more targeted way. Am I, am I thinking about that right? Uh, yes. The, the sort of social login makes things so powerfully targetable. Um, you'd be amazed. Now, obviously, there's the concept. The, the sort of downside of that, Jake, is, is as you get more and more targeted and as you've got um, these audiences that are so accurate, uh, it really comes at a premium. Right, uh, Facebook is not a bargain advertising platform and is only going to continue to get more expensive over time. The reality is, is that Facebook is probably the most powerful targeting mechanism um, uh, on the planet and um, the willingness to pay for advertisers uh, will be dependent on Facebook's ability to deliver the right ad to the right person at the right time at the right price. Uh, so that they can take a specified action, um, and you know, to, il to illustrate that in a more in a more extreme case, um, we work with a, an insurance company. Uh, let's say arbitrarily that they're willing to pay a thousand dollars per policy, right? And let's say that uh, Facebook gets its targeting perfect, so that if I display a thousand impressions, I will get a thousand policies. If that's the case, then theoretically, this insurance company, okay, is willing to pay a million dollar CPM. Think about how powerful that is, right? And obviously, wow. Facebook is not going to be able to get that exactly right, but I will tell you that it might get scary over time 
uh, how, how good they get at understanding what, what users are going to take what actions uh, in, in certain contexts, uh, times of day, uh, certain content reactions, uh, sort of social context driven, you know, my friend like this, so I like this, or I'll take this action type, uh, type behaviors. It's going to get very, very powerful and, uh, and, and literally amazing. I will probably be amazed. That is super cool. Um, if, if your current job became unavailable for some reason, uh, what would you want to do? I want to work for you, Jake. What kind of stupid question is that? That was a stupid question. I apologize for even saying it. If, if you could go back in time and uh, you know, meet up with your 20-year-old your self, uh, probably at Smokes, uh, you've obviously uh, evolved a lot in terms of what you know and, and what you're doing in terms of your career. Uh, what, what advice would you give to yourself? That's heavy, Jake. Uh, let, me, let me think. What advice would I give myself? Always, always, always follow the letter of the law. Integrity is everything. Your word is everything. I, I'm not an ex-con or anything, but just really reinforcing how um, uh, y you just got to be a straight shooter. I remember um, my old, um, my old uh, boss at Morgan Stanley, the head of media comms, told me once, you know, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. And that always... Um, that always really resonated with me because uh, we live in a world where so much is obfuscated and, and uh, people will, will be uh, deceitful or, or deceptive to, um, to, to get people to take actions. I think if you uh, really sort of live your life as if you're trying to constantly pass the front page test where you know your grandma has a copy of the Wall Street Journal with the, the title article being whatever you did the previous day, uh, good, things will, good things will happen to you. Um, the other thing I'd say is, uh, you know, Hard work beats talent when, when talent doesn't work hard. Uh, also known as, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I seem to get. Um, there's no substitute for hard work, and there's always going to be somebody who's willing to work as hard or, or if not harder than you to, to get whatever outcome uh, you're, you're seeking to drive. Um, I guess the third, um, you know, the third, so my grandmother passed away at 102, not tragic. Um, she was a great lady. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget, I have a, a note from her framed um, uh, on my wall that, that closes with probably advice that is as sage as any on the planet. Um, eat smart and get enough rest. Um, and I challenge anyone to tell me that that's not good advice. And, uh, you know, everybody's different. Understand how much sleep you need. Understand, um, you know, healthy body, healthy mind. Um, uh, don't, don't ingest garbage or if you do be willing to work it off your body's a furnace intakes inputs and outputs and um, I guess lastly um, never draft a quarterback in the first round of a fantasy draft uh, it's just not going to work out for you do, do you have first hand knowledge of, of how that does not work out um, yeah but we probably need another, another podcast to cover that topic I understand. I understand. It's, we, we, we'll get into the light stuff today and maybe we'll do a follow-up for the, the real hard-hitting issues. Oh, one other thing that I had to go back and ask about. So you mentioned several times bushwhacking. Uh, and I clearly, when you say that, I think of the legendary WWF tag team known as the Bushwhackers. Uh, is that what is in your head when you mention that or are you thinking of something else? No, I think of like going through a jungle with a machete literally whacking bush and underbrush to get to uh, an outcome. The, the, the example is making sure things are pixeled right, working with M MMPs to figure out integration is in, making sure that credit lines are linked to the appropriate accounts, working with the, the platform reps, the Twitter reps, and the Facebook reps to make sure that we're whitelisted for um, the right um, 
the right products for the right accounts. Um, bushwhacking, man. But do you at least know about the tag team? Um, I, I know of it now. It's like Bart Simpson being asked uh, if he knows his multiplication tables, and his response is, I know of them. Fair enough, but I, I would highly recommend looking them up, finding them on YouTube. They were really just a classic pair, uh, and, and someone who I think you know, could be inspirational for you and your clients uh, just as, as a role model, perhaps. Um, okay, I think we're, we're starting to run a little bit short on time. Uh, anything... Oh, we have a couple more minutes. Anything else that we didn't cover that you think uh, would be worth uh, bringing up or questions that, that you were asked if you were in my shoes? Um, well, uh, you know, maybe in the spirit of give and tape, maybe you could ask me, hey, Will, what can I do to help you out? That would be great. I would, uh, I would love to help you out. Will, by the way, what could I do to help you out? And then I'd probably say, well, you know, things are going pretty well for me right now. But uh, while you're offering, I did just publish a new article on LinkedIn. Well, about hiring and matchmaking and how similar they are. Um, and uh, if you maybe wanted to go ahead and uh, tweet it out on a platform or two, uh, I wouldn't hate it. That, that sounds like something that, that would be enjoyable for me to do. And in general, how can people learn more about you and learn more about Ampush? Where should they go on that internet that you mentioned? Yeah, sure. So I'm really easy to find on the internet. Please visit Ampush at www.ampush.com. Um, I'm broadly available on the internet, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. My handle is generally at Wamorel, W-A-M-O-R-E-L. Um, you can reach me at will.morel at ampush.com or, frankly, internet friends, wamorel at gmail.com. Wow, bold. Yeah, it's bold. I'm very friendly. Uh, I'm extroverted, perhaps, to a fault. And um, I'm uh, materially less successful than Jake, so I, I need all the help I can get. That's, that's not true. I, I publish zero articles on LinkedIn, so you know that's not true. Uh, and it looks like I'm just I'm on your LinkedIn page right now. It looks like there's uh, I'm on my fourth marriage, how matchmaking, and then it doesn't say anything else. It's dot, 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 seven ways we could all be better people. I like that. Beyond the basics, advanced Facebook advertising. It sounds like some interesting stuff. Yeah, if you really want a, a crash course on, on sort of the low-hanging fruit and kind of want an 80-20 Facebook advertising, I would definitely recommend my article. It's actually uh, on the Ampush blog, but uh, yes, now you're going to hear some clickety-clack of, uh, of, of keyboards. Uh, I did publish an article... Um, called Beyond the Basics, uh, Advanced Facebook Advertising uh, Techniques. Uh, and um, I think uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really uh, covering a lot of stuff like, um, you know, uh, seed audiences, lookalikes, uh, leveraging uh, CRM, uh, understanding retargeting and the pricing, um, ROAS implications. Um, you know, I think here's the, here's the summary. As your audience gets smaller, uh, it gets more and more expensive to advertise because uh, there's less inventory from which Facebook can um, can choose, and therefore, as uh, as supply as demand uh, is constrained, uh, demand needs to uh, to rise in order to reach equilibrium. Makes sense. Uh, cool. I think that that's a, a great place to to leave off. Uh, I'll make sure to to do my part and actually tweet your article over whatever things I have access to. Uh, Will, this has been awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up again soon. Absolutely. Let me, next, let me know next time you're in, uh, in New York and uh, make sure uh, Norris isn't, uh, is working too hard, okay? I am actively trying to make him work harder. I, I haven't seen him in weeks. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, he's actually fantastic. Uh, uh, look, uh, I, am, uh, I will hit you up next time I'm in Philadelphia. Internet world, uh, it was nice talking to you. And um, shout out to RJ Metrics, maybe the coolest company to come out of Philadelphia. Uh, that doesn't involve Lauren Jacobson. I was going to say, since Comcast, maybe? Yeah, Comcast is a big one.
Yeah. Comcast is doing okay. Cool. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening to Statistically Interesting. This podcast is produced by me and Ryan Williams at RJ Metrics HQ, which is right across the street from City Hall in sunny Philadelphia. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode and rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.